Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk the business of fitness with gym owners and fitness pros who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guests, owners of Fitness and Fuel in Marina Del Rey, California, Whitney and Byron, how are you today? Good, thank you. Awesome. Excited to have you guys on. Let's dive into it. Tell me what Fitness and Fuel LA is all about. Go ahead, Honestly, it's one-on-one personal training, and we feel like that is the best way to base everything around each client and give them everything that they need. And oftentimes, that's a matter of just like, you know, cutting off their own uh, self-sabotaging options. (laughs) Yeah, essentially, we're a small uh, husband and wife run personal training business, uh, small space, boutique, one on one only and uh, a private high end. Awesome. We're going to get into some more of the, the specialized and the different areas that you hit with training as we go forward. But let's go backwards a little bit. The business has existed for about 13 years, uh, roughly 11 or so of those in the same space that you have now. So give us um, that backstory and history on it. Well, you should start since uh, it predates me. Well, um, I got my start back in DC. Um, I actually have an MBA, um, marketing and entrepreneurship uh, that really played into things later on, um, being able to keep a business alive, getting people to actually pay me (laughs) was always helpful. Um, But, Basically, I built my clients around my nine to five, which was in marketing. I felt like, um, you know, fitness was always a passion. I started building up some certifications, kind of learn what I didn't know and learn, you know, confirm what I did know so that I actually felt comfortable uh, honoring. I, I, you know, if you're in the gym a lot and you're looking pretty decent, I guess people kind of flock, what do you do? What do you do? Can you train me? And uh, I didn't want to train people and not have any legitimate background on this. So build up some certifications, started taking clients, um, really took off in DC. And then I, um, Got I cold. well, I was cold. <laughs> uh, there's three months a year in DC. They're just overcast gray. And um, there's this whole thing called seasonal affective disorder where you just really need some sunshine and vitamin D to power you through your day, stay motivated and staying motivated is one of the biggest things as a personal trainer. So I got a taste of sunny California and I was like, I want to give this a try. And, uh, I moved out here and I haven't really gone back much. Um, certainly not wishy-washy on it. Um, met him about a year later, but I had established uh, Fitness and Fuel. It originally started as just the name of my business and a blog and stuff in DC. Pulled that with me, added the LA to it. And then uh, I poached this gentleman over here to my left. And- At that point, we were kind of training clients out of a bigger gym, just renting space. So we had our little company we ran ourselves, paid rent to a gym to use some of their space. And then the idea was, okay, you know, we're tired of wasting multiple thousands of dollars a month in gym rent. And, uh, you know, we had kind of outgrown our little condo. So it was time to look for a live workspace and got hard lucky. Hard to find. Hard to find. Very we eventually to find. found this location, which was great. And that a lot of live workspaces tend to be 
kind of one big homogenous space where there's no separation between live and work. Can you imagine having a gym and then, yeah, I'm training a client, Whitney's in the kitchen and you can in my wave to each other. So we Maybe eventually no. found this great space where we have, you know, 700 square feet of training space downstairs and then a completely separate living quarters upstairs. And that's now where we're based. So yeah, it, it helps so much for actually being able to, you know, recharge and get what you need to do done versus when people are working out, like this is your space. You may have a loft upstairs and you hear literally every single weight that's dropped downstairs and every fart that the clients put out. <laughs> so uh, you don't really get to uh, ever turn it off. No naps. No naps. That doesn't sound like a life that I want a part of. <laughs> so you have a pretty unique space. So your, your training facility is first floor, then you live on the, the floors above it. Um, and then you, part of it plays into the size is, you know, you only do one-on-one -on -one personal training and it's just, just the two of you. So from a business standpoint, a lot of times I'm all about growth mentality. I'm all about help as many people as you can, but you have to do it in a way that you find fulfillment and you believe it. So has it, was there a certain turning point, uh, Byron, I know you worked in sports performance and, and, you know, you both were in the global, you know, kind of a global gym or big gym atmosphere when you can see all these other things. Was there a certain turning point where you said it's only going to be one-on-one, -on -one, this is it forever. This is, this is the way that we want to do it. Um, I think for both of us, you know, having taught classes, having the interaction with a lot of people is fun. But you never feel you get that same kind of connection and the ability to really get people to do things with proper technique. Like no matter how dedicated you are teaching a class, one instructor, 20 people, form is going to go out the window at some extent because there's just no way to maintain that kind of hands-on approach with that many people. You have to teach the lowest common denominator. And so if you just let everybody in, there's no um, mean, like, um, you know, kind of like main area that you can uh, really target and stuff. It's impossible to then advance the class together as a group because they all have similar abilities. No, you're literally trying to keep Jimmy or Becky or whoever's literally coming in with the most injuries or just is the most decrepit or is crying through the whole class or whatever it happens to be, you have to, keep that person from legitimately hurting themselves. And that limits what you can do to advance the others who are perfectly able-bodied. Um, so it, it's a disconnect. And again, advancing a group together, you want similarities. You want people to have something in common. So the smaller the number of people, the more likely it is that you can find a, a truly common um, thread. I've, I taught rather successfully back in DC at a gym called Vita. Um, I ran their Pilates program for a number of years and uh, doing classes of just four people on or former, I was able to find that, you know, just like collective um, similarities and then be able to advance people. Um, plus they had their spot and they did not want to give it up. So, you know, you, you have, again, the same people each week at this Wednesday, 7 p.m. Uh, class that you can advance versus um, just people drop in, drop out, drop in, drop out. And it's an ever-changing yeah, dynamic. And then also there's a logistical reason for it. You know, square footage in LA is, is at a premium. So, you know, how many square feet would you need to, to do bigger numbers of people? 
okay, what's the cost of that square footage? And then there's also, you know, certain legal things you have to look at. Like if you're train, if you've got a certain number of square feet, you're training more than one person at a time, you need X number of parking spaces. So not only do you need the gym square footage, you then need parking space square footage. Again, at a premium, especially on the west side of LA. So for us, it just made sense from a business model to own something where we were actually going to own the property itself. We weren't paying rent to anybody else. And the way to do that was to keep it small and intimate. All right. So from a business plan point of view, at some point, I think it probably for you sounds like it went beyond the typical gym owner, you know, back of a bar napkin math to where you said, if we both train this many sessions, um, you know, I know you've been doing it a while. So inflation adjustment, uh, notwithstanding at this rate, if we do this many sessions and if only us training clients, this is a viable business. This is how much money we can make. These are the advantages of it. So what did, what did that formulation of the business look like for you as far as how many hours you were going to allow yourself to work? I know there's only certain days you work and, and how much was there a real serious conversation about, Hey, if it's just us and we only train one-on-one, -on -one, we've, we've got a theoretical capacity and, and are we okay with that? Does it work for us? Well, we definitely have a capacity. That is a fact. You can only work so many hours in a day. And yeah, um, back when we were, you know, leaving nights get married, um, what was that, 2011? Yeah. All right. Uh, you know, it was like, should we even bother doing this? You know, we take clients, we already start so early in the day before most people start work. We end later in the day than most people have their work day going and then to do weekends as well. I mean, it was like, what is the whole point of actually getting married? I mean, I'm not, we're never gonna see each other unless it's just like, you know, hey, could you throw me that 16 pound over there? <laughs> so uh, in, in cutting off weekends really helped. And it's also to help to give our clients structure. They're not always thinking there's seven days a week that they can, oh, just keep, oh, I can't make that appointment. I'm so sorry, just slide it along, slide it along, slide it along. If you keep doing that, you're never gonna get anywhere anyway. Plus, um, we're both imports, he being from South Africa, me being from Southern Virginia. Um, we moved here because the weather is dominantly fantastic. Don't look outside right now. Don't look outside. It's yucky and overcast, but May Gray will go away. Um, basically, um, we wanted to enjoy why we were in California. Yeah. So we knew there was a hard cap on what you could earn. You know, if we X number of hours times two trainers times the rate we're charging. Yeah, there's a cap which is a lot of why we wanted to make sure that when we decided to start the facility, we owned it. We wanted to have something that was, we're building an asset rather than every month we're taking money and we're paying it to somebody else's mortgage. Mm -hmm. So that was a big thing for us was we wanted to own the space. And that again is why we are limited by the square footage, but at least now we own the space. It's almost paid off. Mm -hmm. So once yeah. it's paid off, then all of a sudden you've got a major overhead that's gone. So mm -hmm. your cap is, slightly bigger yeah we have an incredibly low mortgage at this point it's a micro mortgage at this point um so our profit margin is so high we're not renting space we're not having to you know overextend ourselves um it's it's truly great i mean we've done some of the numbers as far as if we opened up a larger space, rented it, um, found other trainers to come in. And that is also, you know, one of the downers of this industry is um, people are fickle and jobs always change and such. But the 
oftentimes, and, and I hate stereotyping, I really do, I'm going to preface it with that, but trainers can be pretty flippant as well. Um, we all know somebody in our world that's, um, you know, just been the, the greatest guy or gal and we've had so much less and then they just kind of disappear and you don't know where they are and maybe they come back two, three weeks later or, you know, these are such fun people to be around, but they're just, you notice that their business is so up and down. And while I will, you know, you, you assume, okay, we're, we're working at the same time. Like my clients have the same, sorry, there's siren going by. It's pretty loud. All right. You know, there, there's a repetition to it. And much of what we're trying to give our clients is structure with structure. They can actually lose weight or build muscle and although it actually can be done carefully. Um, but, um, you know, having a, a structure is truly the best way to, where am I going with this? I don't know. So but I, 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 just, right. I, I think the other big thing for us is when you talk about why it's just the two of us, like you've got two models basically as a gym, as a personal training gym, you can either have in-house trainers who work for you, or you can have tenant mm -hmm. trainers. Mm -hmm. Tenant trainers are problematic because they come and go all of a sudden, oh, they had a bad month. They can't pay you their rent. How do you really, you want to then go to court over a thousand dollars. Alternatively, you have in-house trainers who work directly for us. Now, the problem with that is I've been on the other side of that where I worked for somebody else and I knew what they were charging per hour and I knew what I was getting paid. Huge. And there's definitely, you build the, the longer you do that with tenant, with in-house trainers, they can become resentful because they're like well dude i'm the one busting my ass and you're taking 50 60 70 percent of the money depending on what kind of split you have with them so i just didn't feel having been on the wrong side of that i didn't feel comfortable doing that to somebody else yeah. and that's the only way you can have a bigger space so the economics made sense to stay where we were at and then just mm -hmm. gradually increase rates as we have to to keep up with inflation so on the other side of that I'm sure something that's at least crossed your mind at some point is you only work five days a week. That takes care of the projected income that you have, um, but the space goes unused for two days a week. So part of me says, if you wanted to rent to a trainer on the weekends, for instance, and not have to do any fulfillment, just strictly collect it, anything above and, that, above and beyond what you're already making, is just gravy. It's just almost free money in the bank. So is that something you've ever considered? And if so, what were the pros and cons for you? Well, um, in all honesty, I, I've thought about stuff like this. The problem is that's my front door. Literally, I live here. The bottom floor would be where they'd be training and stuff. Like, um, again, who are your people that you do you trust these people in your home, like respecting it the way you want? And also like, we don't, you know, you can still hear some of what's going on downstairs. My dog will still be very interested in what you're doing downstairs. He thinks he's the VP of hospitality and uh, the mascot and every other role that he's decided is his. Um, and also you know, to get in and out of our place, it's one entrance, one exit. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, okay, so we're renting space to somebody on the weekend, we're going out to the beach, you're just going to walk through their session. It, it just, it wouldn't be a professional environment for them. And again, I don't know if I want to give somebody access to what is technically the ground floor of my house when I'm not home. It's never enough. You know, like, 
people want to have as much flexibility as they can possibly get and stuff. And it's like, where do you cut off the, the hours exactly to, to have some semblance of your own privacy? Um, you know, like, I, again, uh, growing up in, uh, I, I was taught to accommodate other people and to make others comfortable and stuff. And I think that's a lot of what makes me good at my job. I, I have empathy for others and I try to sense what they need sometimes before they even say it. But at the same time, it's like when you, when it comes to your home, um, I've met so many people that just take and take and take. And when it comes to your home, it's like, where does that end? Um, you know, they're, you know, they start then, you know, coming upstairs and using your refrigerator and your refrigerator is full of their meals because they're prepping for a show or, you know, in, um, you know, in and out, in and out, up, down, you know, like, okay, we're hanging out in our underpants over here. Oh, there, hey, hey, Jimmy, how you doing? Um, uh, it's, um, you know, it, it, it's a lot of, you know, this would be a cost. This would be a cost. You have to make the best decision for you. And we've truly chosen, I guess, the most simple, pure, um, old school model. Um, I realize that we're turning down a lot of potential income, but um, I live a simple life and it helps me sleep at night. Yeah. To, to me, the, the, the negative of having somebody in that space at a time when I don't want them in the house outweighs whatever extra income I could garner mm -hmm. from it. So for me, I'd, I'd rather just have the peace of mind of knowing that, hey, you know what, we're going to the beach today, we're locking the house up and we're out, we don't have to worry about anything else. Yeah, I mean, if you were, if somebody came in and they used it for, let's say, five hours, which is not necessarily that likely because tons of people like have trouble lining up clients and blocks anyway, which you always should do because that's the best use of your time and then you have free time. But that's not what we're trying to talk about. Instead, you know, let's just say that we had somebody use it for five hours and then somebody else use it for um, five hours the next day and we charge them $20 to rent that space, you know, making $100. And then another hundred dollars, maybe two hundred dollars. Eight hundred dollars for the month's not changing our lives. No, it's not. I don't care. We also have considered though, and we've been called a number of times to um, have people shoot things in our um, in our facilities. So that's where I can kind of see, uh, you know, it's like not an ongoing regular thing that I have to continue to offer, um, but I can pick and choose on a project basis, um, you know, and most likely be home to uh, see if I need to do anything but um, somebody can do a shoot in our place. And that, that is where you can, you know, make some in a, um, you know, in a appropriate uh, way. Yeah. So basically what, what I'm hearing and correct me if I'm wrong is you've, you've made your business plan and built your business to generate enough income so that any incremental potential business you could get out of that unused time just really isn't worth any of the compromises or inconveniences that might come along with it. Yeah, that's a pretty good way to look at it. All right, so the other big part of the, the topic, and this is something that has become hotter lately, is uh, you do all the training, all the fulfillment, all of that, which is, is very standard for people with their own personal training businesses, but you also do all of your administrative work. Um, and it sounds like that includes things like also any type of marketing, social media, anything and everything other than your actual accountant's work you do, correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So we're seeing this big, bigger movement now um, towards people outsourcing, using agencies, using virtual admins to do some of these tasks um, that may be considered lower skill or lower value. Uh, what is factored in for you keeping all of this in-house 
on top of your full training load? I, I think it depends on what the task is for different reasons. Like obviously, you know, we like, while we hate answering the phone, I think having that personal connection straight away with a new client rather than being through somebody who is just a virtual receptionist, I think having that immediate personal contact with us and we can immediately build a relationship helps in that client acquisition. Also, I can look at my calendar and I don't have to release it to anybody else. If I truly want to go and get a mani-pedi at this time, like I'm not just having somebody like, oh, cool, I was done at three and now you just booked me at a 7 p.m. because, you know, that was my grand opening and such. Um, uh, and I think people are a little bit more respectful of your time too. I mean, my, my clients are wonderful people. They don't kind of, you know, jerk us around um, any more so than, than is absolutely necessary. Okay. I got a kid sick home from this and, you know, I've got to deal with this, but you know, they really do plan around their ongoing regular training sessions and, you know, are, are pretty up on, you know, Hey, give me at least 24 hour notice if you have to travel or miss this for whatever reason. I think also we've gone simple on certain things. Like for example, when it comes to invoicing clients, we do that ourselves, but we also don't, a lot of personal training gyms, a lot of trainers will, oh, well, I'm gonna sell you a package of 30 sessions. So now you're keeping track of sessions, 30 of them. That's a lot more. And then there's a lot of clients, oh, well, I didn't do that session, but I think I've got 19 left. You said I've only got 18 left. We really don't do it that way. We invoice for the month upfront. So what we do is say we've got John who's training three times a week. He's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday guy. We'll look at the month. Okay, June's coming up. How many Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays are in June? We'll put all the dates on. Put that. all those dates in. We invoice you for that month. It's done up front. You pay me up front. Okay, fine. John canceled the third Wednesday of the month. Not a problem. That session just gets credited, credited to next month. month. So next month, there's 12 sessions. You only pay me for 11 because you already paid me for the 12th session last month. So by doing the billing once a month, rather than trying to keep track of everybody's sessions at different times, we just spend Simplifies one day right before the month, all of our billings done for that month. Yeah. Additionally, um, we, you know, have basically put together a whole, it's having them like at this, you know, like the 29th or the 30th of the you know previous month, they then have this, um, you know, just like email come in and it helps them to plan. They're like, oh yeah, I got to tell them. Uh, you know, I am traveling on the 14th. I got to make sure that I move it to the 15th because I'll um, only be back after that vacation. Um, it really just helps so much with saying that I've got it together. I'm on top of this. I expect the same from you. And, you know, people then are much more forthcoming about travel, conflicts, et cetera, et cetera. And we just, we communicate better. You know, I think when you encourage good communication, you know, you lead by example, uh, you're going to get so much more in return and it just starts from the beginning, a, a much more just grown up, um, mature, dependable relationship. And then you can really focus on, you know, what are, in many ways, um, it, it's an emotional journey for a lot of your clients and you don't have to be dealing with, you know, it's just the money's done. It's finite, you know, it's finances, it's finite, done. It's one less thing to think about and they can focus on. And just keeping, keeping the system simple is what oh. really helped us to manage our time. So we don't spend, hour upon hour on billing on scheduling so it's, it's all done pretty quickly a couple of days leading up to the month and that helps yeah and and this may to our audience sound like beating a dead horse but once you've made the decision to we're going to be a high service premium product strictly one-on-one -on -one with a limit you're also not trying to do billing for 300 clients all at once you're you know, somewhere 30 to 40 ish, maybe in a, in a maximum capacity 
of people. So you don't have, you know, everybody personally, you probably know all their schedules, maybe some better than they do. When you make the decision to go into this, it's just us. You're not managing billing for five trainers. You don't have all this going on. You've kept it again to, to the outside looking in, you figured out your plan. This is how much money we want to make. This is how many clients we can take. This is the pricing we need to maintain that. And this is where it all fits in. Instead of just letting the monster grow, you knew what your capacities were everywhere and said, we're going to build the business to work inside these parameters and not make it dictate to us the way that, that we're going to live and spend our time. Is, is that fair? That is fair. Yeah, truly. And Dom, you hit on a good point there as far as knowing your client schedule better than anybody else. Like for me to actually like to dictate to somebody else, here's how I want to do my schedule. Here's, you know, how to move this, like, you know, like give them every single little annoying detail that, you know, of course I probably have written down. We have a lengthy questionnaire, but also there's a lot of stuff floating around in here to actually get them to do the, manage the schedule the way I want it to be done would actually take me more work to manage someone else. And so it doesn't make sense. And likewise with, you know, the phone calls and stuff. Um, you know, we need to be quick, responsive, and you know, available. I think that's one of the biggest reasons why most people that call us do come in and train and then stick with us versus being part of a mega gym where they kind of just like felt like they didn't get that personal touch and the personal um, investment in them from the get go from that first phone call. Uh, being able to talk to the person that you actually are going to be working with and bonding with and and opening your your heart and your mind and your you know like putting yourself out there i mean all that stuff is incredibly intimidating for someone and to be available for that from the get-go is it's 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 made us desirable i do think that that is a um, differentiating tactic yeah absolutely all right so as we start to wind down on time here um for the rest for the rest of 2022 in, in foreseeable future, do you have any outstanding big goals for the business? And if so, are there any, any hurdles, any challenges to getting whatever, whatever you may have in store for it? I think as, you know, personal trends, the biggest hard thing to think about is how do you get passive income? How do we generate passive income? And that's the thing we're trying to look at now. And it's the hardest thing to do because a lot of people sell online workouts and ethically for us, that's always been kind of hard. Like how do we justify it? We're so hands-on with what we do on a day-to-day -day basis, moving people in the correct position, checking perfect form. How do I make the exception that I'm going to say, okay, well, you know what? I'm just going to go off of an interview. We're going to figure out what your strengths and weaknesses are. I'm going to then give you a workout routine. I got to find a way that I can generate kind of say, not necessarily online training, but passive income while still feeling comfortable that I'm giving the kind of service that I give my one-on-one -on -one clients. And, and that's what we, I think is the next big step for us is figuring out that side of the business. Maybe not. Um, I, I'm not so sure about it. I definitely don't want it to cannibalize what I'm already doing. Um, I think that that would be something that we really have to uh, distinguish strongly enough because I think unfortunately um, with all the online trainers, it's making people think that um, training is a commodity. And it's not in truth. And, you know, like wine and stuff, you would assume that you get what you pay for. Um, you know, there's a huge variance in cost, but um, I, I, I find it frustrating when you see so many people with 
limited to no training background, offering training programs that are supposedly customized. I hate seeing the word customized in front of literally what is a generic program. I mean, we have had plenty of clients go in, uh, subscribe to these things, and they've both come out with literally the exact same, um, forgive me, call, literally the exact same uh, training program. And they have nothing in common. They have zero goals in common. They have zero background in common. They're just starting, you know, they're just selling you the most generic thing in the world. And that's what pisses me off about my industry. Like, don't make me hate what I do. Don't make me hate my peers. It's super frustrating and upsetting. And when that sort of stuff is being literally crapped out, um, it cheapens your industry. And people just assume, you know, like, oh my God, you won't train me for uh, $50? Like, what, why don't we do like three for $150? Why? No. Pass. And that's... Yeah, that's the tough thing. Yeah. It's like how you make passive income while not compromising what you think is the high-end service that you provide. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that was the the big the number one word that was floating through my head as I'm digesting what you were saying is mm -hmm. integrity. It sounds like there isn't a dollar amount that you'd feel comfortable with where if you didn't feel like you maintained the integrity of your program of who you are with training that you'd rather not have it than to feel like you you had more of a compromise than than where you could put your price point no our, our integrity our reputation is what we're there for i mean there isn't a dollar amount i'm going to sell my soul for at this point in life i i, I live a comfortable life and mm -hmm. i'm not prepared to compromise that just to, to churn out a bunch of programs mm -hmm. that people either get hurt on aren't happy with they write you crappy reviews nah. um you know, it's, it's, it's surprising um, and, and, and frustrating. I, I do feel like, you know, of course, you know, things that you want to share and, you know, there's various little like pointers that um, we can make on, you know, an Instagram video or whatever that, you know, are able to reach a, a number of people, but to actually, you know, put them through and more or less, I mean, everyone is making all the same promises online that you would make to someone that I, I literally get to see in the flesh. I get to see you from a 360 degree angle, not only when you present yourself and we do introductory pictures, you know, progress photos periodically, but um, I also get to walk around you in every single exercise. And you notice so much in person that I'm promise you this, um, you know, screen connection when you're doing a physical exercise will never ever be able to provide you. It's just not going to happen. And that's assuming that someone actually is literally, you know, on the opposite side of the screen critiquing your form and stuff. Then when you get into these, you know, um, you know, monthly packages of here's your workouts here, I just send you emails and stuff. Uh, again, the genericism, is that a word? I don't know. But I think, I think, generic we, nature of it. I think with <laughs> COVID, the very beginning of COVID, when we ended up going Zoom completely because sure, of the regulations yeah. for a short period of time while we figured out where things were at, <sighs> spending three months doing Zoom sessions really reinforced to us that the big part of what we do is the physical one-on-one -on -one connection. Being on a screen is just not the same as being physically present with somebody where I can actually, no, 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 your arm needs to move this way. That needs to move this way. This needs to get tucked in. This needs... No matter how well, this, how good the screen is, no matter how high def it is, it's not the same. And that's why we've never really offered the whole Zoom training option as a thing either. Yeah, totally, totally understandable there. And, um, there, there are some different things that I've seen come down the pipeline, and I wish we had more time to discuss them, but hopefully a topic for another day that we can 
we can put some information out there and, and I'll try to get you some offline. We are actually officially out of time here. Before I let you go though, for our listeners, if they want to find you, if they want to find out more, who knows if they happen to be in Southern California, where's the best place to find you? Well, uh, just go to uh, our Instagram is at fitness and fuel dash LA. Fitness and fuel LA. There's no dash, no underscore. Yeah. Looks like fitness and fuel la. The dash. Like, uh, if you want to go to the website, uh, www.fitnessandfuel-la.com. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate the two of you being on with us today. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with us. It's It's been my pleasure, and I wish you continued success. Thank you very Thank much. You, appreciate it. Bye. You're welcome. And to everyone out there listening, as always, we appreciate you. We know we wouldn't be here without you listening. We hope you found value and inspiration in this episode if you'd like to hear more, click the subscribe button. We'll notify you when new episodes drop. To everyone out there in Jim Lords Nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, Head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Brooke. Joining me on the show is Jessica from fit for mom in Ventura, California. Welcome to the show. How are you, Jessica? Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm doing well uh, after my den- dentist appointment this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's quite the way to start the day, but I'm excited to have you here with me right now um, and to learn more about your business. Before we do that, give us your backstory. What was it that led to you uh, running this facility or, op- I mean, opening up this business? Sure, no problem. Um, I <clears throat> was in Northern California. We were living in Santa Cruz area. And I was a client of Fit for Mom in Santa Cruz. And I loved everything about Fit for Mom. I love the community. I love the workout. I love being outside uh, and just around like, like moms um, that were similar to me. And when we were talking about moving to a different location, Um, I had previously been a kindergarten teacher and I, it was of course, right before the pandemic. So there was no teaching jobs before the pandemic. And so I moved down to Ventura and when I got here, there was no teaching positions. Um, And I really wanted to continue to have Fit for Mom be uh, a primary my primary focus uh, and bring that to moms in Ventura and Oxnard area since there was no fit for mom here um, in the area at the time. Uh, I think it's definitely something that, um, you know, in big picture, especially with the pandemic, uh, it's kind of amazing that it works out that way, even though it's been hard to run a business through the pandemic, I definitely, looking back on it, I'm very thankful and blessed that 
I made that transition right before the pandemic hit and teaching went crazy. So yeah, definitely. Wow. So you were a client at Fit for Mom and that's where you kind of heard about it and you grew to like really love kind of that model. And so you opened up your own variation of this business. So for our listeners who aren't familiar with Fit for Mom, just kind of give us the elevator pitch. Tell us what you guys do, the services that you provide and kind of that picture for us. Sure. So we are, um, we are actually a franchise. So um, any person or anybody who wants to open a Fit for Mom, um, you know, goes through the corporation of Fit for Mom. And it's mostly based upon territory. So you, you're assigned to your city that you, um, that you purchase and run the classes based upon those zip codes or whatever your territory is. Um, it's, sorry, I just lost my chance. <laughs> it's okay. So it's a group kind of, it's a group kind of workout. Um, yes. and it's typically going to be like an outside thing. Um, and so, um, you're obviously marketing towards moms, I would assume. Correct. It's in the name. Yes. Um, okay, cool. So right now, how many classes do you guys run a week? So right now we run um, a variety of different programs. So we have a program called Stroller Strides, and that is the program where moms can be with their kids in the strollers and we move around the park um, or various locations depending on uh, the weather for the day. Uh, and it, basically we, we rotate through different stations and provide various exercises in those different stations where moms can walk or run to the different stations in between. But the main focus is to bring that community and bring that friendship and camaraderie between our moms during the workout. Um, you know, I was talking to one of my instructors this morning and she was telling me about how a lot of the moms um, are just needing to talk and you know yes they might come for the workout but really it's it's the conversation it's the com commiserating it's the you know processing things that happen throughout your day or your week that really is the magic of fit for mom yeah that's huge i can completely relate because you know as a young mom like when my son was in his infant years it was like okay, well, I'm just going to sit home and have a conversation with somebody who's not going to talk back to me um, day in and day out. And he was a baby during the pandemic, which was even worse because it's like, I literally right. came out of my house. And so when we can take fitness and kind of combine that social aspect, the group fitness, it's so beneficial for people. And where you are doing like kind of a mom specific, it's even more beneficial. And there's so many moms that need this um, socialization. Right. Um, so it's great that you guys are able to, to do that. So how does the membership work? for the classes, since you offer a variety of different classes every week, you know, what options you have for people to kind of take advantage of in terms of memberships? Yeah, so we have a couple different um, class options and I, and the class options, <clears throat> excuse me, grow and expand as, the, as moms grow and expand through motherhood. So, Ideally, you know, we have a prenatal class. So they start in, in prenatal 
And then ideally they would go to stroller strides or stroller bar, which is another variation of, of a stroller strides program. And then slowly move into um, more into our body boost program, which is uh, hit training, definitely higher intensity level. And we recommend those moms would be after <clears throat> six months postpartum and beyond. Um, the whole idea behind it is that, you know, as you grow through your motherhood journey, you can still modify and still continue to grow with us as you, as your kids get older and more mature. So in that sense, we have passes or we have membership. So you can either pay a monthly membership and get unlimited classes or you can purchase um, a set of passes and those passes can get you access to any of the class options that you would like to join. So we see pass options more so for moms who, you know, maybe they're working full time and they can only make the evening classes. So those moms would be more likely a mom that would attend or use a pass instead of the membership option. Okay, got it. So is it, would you say that the unlimited membership is more common like are most of your members on that one or would you see the pass option to be more um of the the membership option that people are taking advantage of um pre-pandemic uh i would say mostly we were on membership mm-hmm. after the pandemic i definitely noticed a big shift in people wanting to commit to things and especially these moms because you know, the risks were so high with their kids that people were so nervous to commit to a membership and they shifted more towards the passes. I do have to say that now I feel like as if we get a mom early in her maternity leave, then more likely she will commit to a membership. If she's more towards the end and she's planning on going back to work soon, then it's usually more so a a pass option instead of the membership option. Okay. Okay. Got it. So right now within your business, how many clients are you serving? Like if you had to kind of systemize it, how many people you have on memberships, how many people are currently on pass options? What does that number look like? I mean, it doesn't have to be exact, but just general. Yeah, we have currently, we have about 32 members. And I believe a little over 20 pass holders. Awesome. So with 32 members, 20 pass holders, is that an area where you're comfortable, Jessica? Or is that an area where you're looking to help more moms and, you know, hit the gas? Yeah, I am definitely ready to run with this and, you know, get as many moms as we can in the door, you know, even if it is for one month that they're left on the maternity leave, you know, that's one more month of, in my mind, one more month mental health for, for these moms. Um, I think people don't really truly realize how difficult it is to be stuck at home all day with your kid and have nobody else to talk to. So the more moms that we can get to, the more we can expand, I think the better. Yeah, for sure. So with that being said, because I do, I do agree with you. I think that this is something that really needs to get out there. Yeah. Um, what are you doing to aid that growth process? Like, how are you guys growing this business? 
Well, probably the most powerful um, way for us to grow the business is through the mom to mom connection um, and really getting those referrals from other clients. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because there's so much fear, I believe, that comes into motherhood and especially when you're starting to do things, new things. Um, as a new mom, there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of anxiety involved. So, so trying to get a friend or get somebody else that they might know to refer them and get them started I, is way more powerful than any ad or Facebook ad or <laughs> Instagram ad I can put up there. Um, we do a lot of videos, video content on Instagram, and that's really helped, I think, a lot of times it's more of like a passive mm -hmm. uh, advertising because it's, it's allowing the moms to see the experience that these other moms are having and see what it's like to come to class and see what their, what other kids are doing, what their kids might do. And I, that to me breaks down that fear and anxiety a little bit more so that they're able to move, move on to trying a class. Yeah, I love that. So, you know, you've talked about the word of mouth a little bit and um, how you call it the mom to mom connection. And that's great within this business, within the health and fitness business, when we're able to grow our business strictly through our current clients, it's free. And we love it because if our clients yes. trust us, they're going to naturally go tell their friends and their friends are going to tell their friends and we're just going to grow. But it's not right. a measurable way for us to grow. We can't count on bringing in 20 new moms through word no. of mouth because, you know, our clients only know so many people and we can only ask them for referrals so often. Um, right. So we kind of hit plateaus in there. Like one month we might welcome in, you know, five or six new moms and it's super exciting. And then the next month it's crickets because that's exactly. how word of mouth works. So, you know, when we look at the social media of things, um, you know, does the franchise give you guys the option to market your business or how does that work? Yeah, so uh, the franchise itself does its own marketing, which then directs, uh, directs clients to their actual locations. So if you were to go to Fit for Mom website on the bottom of the website, it'll say like find your location at the bottom, which then refers people out to us individually. Uh, I, it, that's another one that's really hard for us to measure exactly how many clients that are coming from the corporate and coming directly to us, um, because then they're now redirected to your own personal website. So it's hard to track how many are actually coming from, uh, fit for mom corporate and how many are just coming organically from your own website. Uh, I do get quite a bit of traffic from our website and it definitely ebbs, ebbs and flows a lot. Uh, all, it, a lot of it has to do with the seasons of, of having children, uh, you know, cause that's not always, that kind of goes in seasons as well. I've also tried to dive into um, Google ads a little more and trying to really figure out how to make that the most successful because we are such a targeted audience you know it's not like I can say you know from 16 to 58 or something you know my window is pretty narrow and specific so I have to be very targeted 
Yeah. So, you know, we looked at this and because you are kind of niche here, you have to be very careful with how you market this. But let me tell you that I would have never thought to Google, you know, gym for moms. Like I just wouldn't have right. Googled that. Um, and so I probably would have never found fit for moms. Heck, I didn't find it until here I am, you know, I've heard <laughs> it through the grapevine, but I I've never heard of it. So, yeah. um, you know, how do you reach that client that, you know, might be out in Ventura and, you know, she has a new baby and she's looking to get out of the house. She just, she doesn't know that this is an option out there. How do you reach that client? That yes, that is my struggle. Uh, I definitely, um, you know, we try as much as we can to put out flyers, you know, and but like with the pandemic, that has been challenging because there's not really lots of locations willing to put up flyers at this point. Uh, and then, you know, trying to to find where moms are. Um, sometimes I'll send my instructors to the park and, you know, give them some flyers and say, Hey, make a friend at the park. <laughs> um, you know, just getting creative with that. I think one goal of mine for this year was to do more community outreach and community, uh, partnerships with people just to get the word out more. Um, because I did an event, uh, a, I did a spring event. I can't remember what it was for. Oh, it was Easter, an Easter event. And that was probably the most surprising to me how many people had, have not heard of Fit for Mom. And this is only people who are living, you know, 15 minutes away from me. Mm-hmm. So that to me was like a big eye opener of, wow, there's really not, the word isn't spreading as much as you think in your head it is. Yeah, I know that like the community outreach and stuff, it works great because we get that initial like point of contact. Like we actually meet the person face to face and that really helps. But in today's world, especially with the past few years, there's a lot of changes. People are spending a lot more time on their phones and for businesses, you know, to market themselves, the best way to do that is digitally, like through Facebook, through Instagram, Google, places like that. Um, and so, you know, that could be an interesting route to go down in the future as you grow this business, like think about, you know, a mom scrolling on Facebook and she sees like a group of other moms, like with their strollers working out with their babies, like, heck, that would be amazing. That would pull me over yeah. to, to the business because like, I don't have any other mom friends. Um, right. so like, oh, I get to work out. I get to like lose a little bit of this baby fat and <laughs> this is perfect. Um, yeah. So definitely an interesting kind of idea moving forward. The next question I have for you is what has been challenging? What has been a bottleneck for you guys so far within the business and what have you done or what are you doing to kind of overcome that? Yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges for us is uh, retention. And mostly I think because this is such a, a cycle through the process of their life in the sense of a lot of moms will get to us and then they think, oh, I can only be here for my maternity leave, which is three, you know, three months, maybe at most. Right. And, and most of the time, you know, you're not going to get the new mom coming out the door at, you know, 
five weeks ready to go. <laughs> so <clears throat> you have to, we have to be very mindful of when we do get new clients that we really reiterate for them that they can continue to grow and continue to work out with us as they continue through motherhood. And even if they are going back to work, okay, now we can shift. Maybe now you come to this other class that is is in the evenings after work and stuff like that but i think for us the turnover has been the most challenging thing it's just keeping that constant flow of new moms coming in has been the most challenging you know because then i have moms that i've been that have been with me for three years have been with me from from the start of my business you know so it just it's just everybody's different, you know, figuring out what works for each person's schedule and trying not to cater too much to their (laughs) specific needs because every, you know, every person's schedule is different. So. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, there's a a couple of little things here with retention. I think that's something that everybody's struggling with in this industry. And Mm -hmm. I think where you are, you know, not a physical place that people can go to. I think sometimes that might not work in your favor in the terms of retention because people just say, Oh, like, you know, I'm just going to go to the park and get this workout in. And, you know, they don't, they don't see the serious like changes that this could have for their mental health, their physical health, you know, all of those things. So what more can you do to, you know, pour value into these people so that they see the, the value in showing up for the long term. And that can look like following up with them, giving them nutritional support, not, I mean, not giving them meal plans, but just like, you know, that nutritional support, giving them, um, you know, events, things to like really connect with one another. Um, are those like avenues that you've kind of played with at all to help with the retention? Yes, definitely. We've done uh, a lot excuse me, a lot more with, um, we do mom's night out where we have, you know, we all go to a winery together and, um, you know, get a couple hours away from our kids or we have other, we have play groups after class where moms can come, you know, come to the workout. And then afterwards we might have a sensory bin or an art project or something for the kids to do after class. And that has really, really helped with our retention. Uh, It's just being consistent in everything, I guess, is probably the most bang for my buck in some sense, because, you know, if we slack off on scheduling, you know, scheduling play groups or scheduling mom's night outs, then it starts to be fit for mom starts to kind of be on the back burner of their mind instead of an active part of their daily routine or their weekly routine. So just trying to figure out, you know, ways that like we have a private Facebook group so that they can all talk to each other and um, share stories or be able to ask questions if, you know, like, for example, there's the formula shortage right now. So moms are posting in our group all about, you know, the formula. Hey, does anybody have any formula? Does anybody have this formula? So just continuing to find different ways to keep that communication and keep that consistency with the mom. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So yeah, I think 
consistency is huge. And when you're a mom, like nobody really realizes how hard it is to fit in your time at the gym, right? I I work all day, gotta go pick up my son at school, gotta take him to gymnastics. And then it's like already 9 p.m. And I'm like, okay, well, when do I work out? When does this fit in for me? And so I think the more, like I said before, the more we can provide these people to like be valuable for them, that's when they're gonna see the need and, you know, making this like a long-term commitment for them. Um, So final kind of question that I have for you is what does the future look like? If you could have a magic wand right now and boom, you know, everything that you ever wanted to happen with your business has happened. What does that picture look like for you? Ooh, that's a fun one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh gosh. If I wave the magic wand, uh, I would have a brick and mortar with all my classes run from from my fit for mom studio and we would have all programs running ideally I would love to be like a resource or a uh, a space to host other other resources throughout Ventura so hosting you know uh, birthing workshops or hosting other prenatal postpartum things and being able to offer that as kind of an all-inclusive space would be really, really amazing to me. Um, and, you know, having a physical space, I think would also really help with just getting the word out more and being able to have people know the name more. I mean, I drive around with a giant fit for mom sign on the back of my car, but, (laughs) (laughs) but man, would a brick and mortar be great. (laughs) Yeah. That's a huge goal. So what do you feel like has to happen for you to get to the point where you can like make the move over to a brick and mortar facility? Uh, I think this, the biggest thing is, is a consistent, more consistent revenue uh, because our numbers are so up and down some months that it's just not consistent enough to me to make that leap toward having a brick or mortar. If I had consistently had, you know, if I consistently have 50, 60, 70, 80 members, we'd be solid. Uh, It's the inconsistency that makes it the most challenging, I think, to move forward in that direction. Yeah, definitely. I I understand that. I mean, you're kind of at a standstill there. You can't just like take a leap over to uh, a brick and mortar right now just because you don't have like the clientele to really like make it worth it. Um, But I felt like you have the right mindset to get there. And I'm excited to see that blossom and that change happen for you over time. So um, you. you have a social media page specifically for your location. We do. Yes. Okay. What is it? It's at fit for mom underscore Ventura. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And you know, thank you for being here and giving us, you know, some, you know, word of advice today. Um, I really appreciate that. But, um, you know, we, we, uh, we touched on a lot of different topics. And I think even though you don't have a in-person brick and mortar facility, everything that you're doing is so relatable for our gym owners. So <laughs> I you. really appreciate your insight. And, you know, for our listeners, thank you guys as well. 
Don't forget, if you want to stay notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. And if you want to join us for an episode here at the Gym Lords podcast, fill out the link in the description and we'll be in touch with you soon. As always, until next time, Gym Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show are Christina and Ben of Capstone Fitness from both California and soon to be Florida. Guys, how are you doing? What's going on today? Good. How are you? I'm doing incredibly well. I'm excited to have you on here. I'm excited to hear what the inner workings of this business are and, and pick your brain to see how you've gotten here and where you want to go moving forward. But before we do that, talk to us a little bit about why we got into fitness in the first place. What made you guys decide, I'm going to open a gym, I'm going to open a business in the fitness industry. This is the right time to do it. When did all this happen? I would say back in 2010, um, prior to that, I was in the military. And before that, I was actually in the fitness industry on the personal training side, as well as a martial arts instructor. But I had left that for some years. And when I got out of the service, uh, basically around 2010, I got back into the industry, starting with working for Anytime Fitness. Okay. Uh, it's obviously a chain that a lot of people know of now. Um, and that's where it began. Yeah. And, and so... When did you venture off on your own? When did Capstone come to be? So Capstone came about in January of 2012. And it was just more so of that we wanted to start our own business. And we just had a vision of getting out of the big box gym yep. and creating a small fitness studio, almost boutique-like concept for people that just wanted to come in and work out without being surrounded by a ton of people using equipment or watching them things of that nature yeah and and it's interesting because we hear so often for people that decide to open their own business in the fitness space that they have spent some time in another organization be it a big box chain like you guys and a lot of the time it's seeing what they don't want to recreate more so than what they do want to emulate. And so I'm sure that played into the, the creation of Capstone and what we have and what we see as a business. Now, when you, de when you describe 
capstone. How do you tell people about this business? What is this in its essence? I'll take that one. Um, I would say we basically work, we started off, like I said, in personal training. That's what, the core of what we did. Um, like you, you had said, one of the things that we wanted to take away from the big box gyms, like Christina was saying, you know, I would personally train people anytime fitness and I work for Pinnacle and other ones. And here people are paying 80, $100 an hour um, having to train and the trainer has to work around the other general public, which can be a problem. There could also be uh, people being self-conscious, obviously, working with a trainer with people just all over the place. Plus on top of that, they get all the extra, you know, different fees and inconveniences. And we just kind of wanted to, you know, you're paying for personal training. That's what you're getting. Um, we don't have any, you know, side charges or, you know, we just wanted to keep it simple. Sure. And, and so a lot of this has been streamlined down. We're doing personal training, but you guys also have other services available, right? If I'm to walk through the doors of, of your business, what can I sign up for? So the group classes came about um, in the sense of that we wanted to, you know, kind of expand who we could cater towards. So the boot camp classes is still a personal training concept, like we can work around injuries things of that nature, but you are in a group, which makes it more affordable to people. Right. And then some people also thrive on that group setting um, where they just kind of push off of each other and just get more energy as well as, you know, personal training. It's a little bit more custom. It's a little bit pricier. Um, people that have, you know, more specific injuries or you know, Ben, Ben customizes in our, in the California gym, there's a lot of golfers in the area. Um, so Ben has definitely customized and our other trainer, James, who's now managing the gym out there to work with those people and help correct imbalances and things of that nature. Okay. And, and that makes sense. I mean, personal training by nature is a, a lot more individualized or tailorable of a service. Correct. The group class, you still want to keep that coached feel. I mean, there are all kinds of examples of group classes within the fitness industry, and it goes five people up to a hundred people in a class. How many people could you expect in an average class right now? Our max size is around 20, maybe 25 max, which is very... Because we have equipment know. for every person. That's the thing too. We don't... We wanted to make it to where, say you walked in, I have enough equipment for you and I don't have to cut corners. You know, when you do the big box gyms, once again, you go into the group classes, they're going to rotate around because they're not going to have enough, say 35 pound weights or enough stackers or enough, you know, you name it. But we did do that. So um, 23, 25 people might not sound like a whole lot, but each person has everything they need. Yeah. It makes sense. You know, it's yeah. not... We grabs five pound weights and does a hundred repetitions. Yeah. They need, we provide. Sure. And, and yeah, so. To get back to that, we do create, like we do take the personal training approach in that group setting. Yeah. That's a big difference. That's a big difference from say like in orange theory or burn boot camp. you know, where it's just, here's your workout, you know, you're going to be jumping around a lot. You're going to do a lot of cardio. Ours is more catered still with that weight training based focus. Um, you know, 
Yeah, there's a, there's a, I always joke around and say there's a method to the madness. And there truly is a reason why every exercise that we do and have our clients perform is in the, you know, the, um, you know, what comes first, what comes second, what comes third, you know, it's yeah, all yeah. just, you know, we've taken that personal training approach and then just, like I said, just um, kind of turned it over into being able to perform it in a group setting. Yeah. Now being in California, you guys obviously had a unique situation throughout the last 25 months or so. Mm-hmm. How do your numbers, as far as membership and clientele, compare where they are now compared to previous to the pandemic? So when we, in March um, of 2020, we were told we had to completely close our gym down, which was extremely terrifying. You know, you spend all this time pouring literally blood, sweat, and tears into a business, and then you're told you can't even open your doors to let people in to train them. So what we did was um, personal training, unfortunately, took a a huge hit. Um, We weren't able to do any of that. However, the group classes, we were able to actually transition all of that online. And we really didn't lose a ton of business. Like everybody basically stayed training out of their homes. We ended up renting out our equipment or not renting. We actually just let people borrow it. Um, We didn't charge anything so that they had all their, because we have so much equipment, they were able just to take their weights of their size and do it from home. So the group classes really have stayed consistent with, with the pandemic. Personal training did take a big hit, but now it's actually picked up more than ever, just because I think people nowadays are so focused on you know, staying fit and being able to combat illness and be healthy. So personal training is actually doing better now than, um, than our, than our group classes. Don't you think? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So things are, are rebounding and continue to rebound. Can you guys take on new members or new clients in either one or both of those services? Well, yeah, always. Yeah. Yeah. We, we can. Yeah, we can sure. we'll say no. We'll make it. We'll make it work. Well, I, I think that's that's a good sort of dive in point, and I want to pick your brain on the marketing that goes into this because traditionally, marketing for a boot camp group class type of client and marketing for a personal training type of client are probably different strategies. What's worked well for you guys to be able to get people in through your doors in the first place before we can even have a question of what's going to be the best service for them? Well, I specialize more on the personal training side and Christina, so I'll take that part. Christina does the boot camp side. Um, so with the personal training, they, one of the things we did, my, myself and James, we had mentioned that runs the California gym back in 2010 when a, a Titleist Performance Institute, everybody's heard of Titleist, they mm-hmm. came out with a certification for corrective training for golfers, basically screening golfers for muscle imbalances and helping them with their swing not swing coaches, but just we would screen players, like I said, for any imbalances they might have. And that really took off for us back in 2010. So we found that niche um, with all these that I mentioned, a lot of the people back in California, they're, it's a second, third, maybe fourth home or something like that. It's just a place they spend three or four months to golf and they go back to you know, Washington or wherever else they've gone before it gets crazy hot out there. So 
we found that angle in the personal training that was a huge part for us um a lot of people don't know about that one but you can like i said people can look into that Talos performance institute that was uh, and it's also it definitely um challenge you challenges you as a trainer as far as your knowledge and understanding you know how the, the human body works so uh once again going back to the marketing for the personal training it's just for me it's just always been we target that demographic it's pretty you know we don't we don't really have when personal training i would say it's not the same as boot camp because the people that can afford personal training i don't really know how you know they either can afford it or they don't and we've been fortunate that we just get a lot of referrals so once we start training um golfers and especially some of these younger guys that are up and coming they obviously word them out they let them yeah. know hey this is where i train yeah i think with personal training at least people that have the money to do it know other people that have the money to do it we just get, we've been very fortunate we've been we get a lot of people from uh you know post pt out of rehab because we kind of have a reputation we do have a reputation for not injuring people so we get a lot of those guys, um, like I said, they're all living country clubs and it's pretty easy to get the word out. So that's just a matter of, you know, I, what would you- Yeah, and so what about, what about the group side of things? So just to piggyback off of Ben, because our personal training clients in the Valley in California are typically like older, wealthier people, not a lot of them are on social media. No. Um, so typically, it has been a referral based type of business. And then we also do have some reviews that people will, you know, scroll through. So Google has been a way for us to just generate more business. However, on the group side, um, probably about 85% of our clientele is moms um, or, you know, younger females or older females. Um, it is, majority female based and a lot of those people are on social media so we do do a lot of like instagram and facebook just like snippets of what's happening in the facility or certain exercises or some before and after pictures of yeah. you know of people and that and again and referrals you know if you know somebody's getting really good results and like little susie's like well why do you look so good yeah that, <laughs> I mean, absolutely. And, and the fitness industry has, has been so used to living and dying by referrals forever. It's a great client. They know, like, and trust us. We'll take all of the referrals we can get. Traditionally, it's just been a bit out of control, right? We may get 20 referrals one month. We may get one or two the next month because of the seasonality of fitness more so than anything else. For right. you guys, as this business moves on and grows into new markets, do you think that you'll venture into other types of marketing strategies? Um, so we are opening our new gym in Florida here in the next few weeks. Um, we did end up picking a location that has a lot of foot traffic and has just a lot of activity. So with that, we're paying actually more rent um, than we're used to paying. But the reason we decided to go that route is because we wanted to have the more foot traffic and more people looking and, you know, what's cast in fitness so that we don't have to spend extra money on trying to build up advertising and brand awareness. So yeah. that's 
the approach that we're doing for the Florida gym, um, we have started on some social media advertising, but that's really, I think, the extent of, of what we're going to do for this gym as well. We're pretty optimistic that if we can just get a few people in and then have them spread the word, that we'll hit the ground running. Yeah, it's it's typically really impactful when done in conjunction with posting content, posting videos, posting pictures, getting organic engagement, just putting money into it doesn't mean that we're going to generate a return, right? There's a lot that goes into it to make sure. Yeah, that it, it can actually get extremely pricey. And if you're first starting out and you don't have a whole lot of um, funds to, you know, to allocate to that, it, it can get, you know, it can be in the thousands. And any kind of marketing in general. Oh, yeah. Like we want yeah, to make sure that. that there's an ROI coming back, right? Yeah. Ultimately, obviously in the fitness industry, it's kind of boils down to your results. Like you can spend all the money in the world on marketing and get them in and then they quit. Right. So our our main thing has been retention. I mean, in our California gym, we've had clients for eight, since nine, eight, nine years. Yeah, yeah. years that have been with us. Sure. And so Talk to us a little bit about the the sales process. We're getting leads in from any number of sources, right? From social media, from paid advertising, if need be, from walk-ins off the street, from referrals, wherever they come from. What happens in between that person expressing interest as a lead and that person signing up as a paying customer? As far as the sales, for example, like, are they, are they coming in? Are they meeting with somebody? Are they doing this over the phone? What's the, what's the process like? I, I typically, I take the phone calls even for the California gym right now. Um, and I, I'm pretty upfront with them. I, one of the things we, going back to the beginning of this conversation with big gyms, they come in, they want to show you around. It's like, just show us the price. And that was one thing I wanted to get rid of. Even when I first started in 1200 square feet, first thing I did was put my prices right next to the desk. That way, if there was any issue at all, they just turn around and walk out. Because I don't want to sell anybody personal training. If it's if they're reaching, it's not going to be a good client. It's just not. Um, I've done this a long time. I can't got many, many, um, I can't count how many clients and you know experience I've had in training people, but it's it that is something I've learned that you don't want to have to sell. And I know everybody says, oh you got to sell some no, no you don't. Um, you know, I, I don't really have a process. I just, I'm honest with people up front. I get, get the right, you know, I ask the right questions with them, you yeah. know, to find out they're the right kind of client. It's kind of, you know, there's little trick things you can ask them to kind of find out if this is even something, you know, hey, have you talked to other people? Have you worked with another trainer before? It gives you an idea of, do they understand I'm about to tell you we're 80 bucks an hour? And they're going to go, oh my gosh, you know, but you ask simple questions like that. It's not much of a sell, right? So when they come in, I always keep it simple too. But one of the things we don't do is we don't do contracts. You know, they they can pay up front and I can say in 10 years I've had to refund maybe two or three people because just something that's that's crazy. Only two or three people in the year. So um, yeah. just be, we try to make sure it's a good fit up front. And if for some odd reason, I'll refund them because I just don't want to deal with um yeah. I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for. No, I, well, I think it's also important to distinguish. You say we shouldn't need to sell them. And I think sales in our industry gets this really negative connotation of being pushy and shysty and trying to pull one over yeah, on somebody. Do star sales me. Yeah. But it doesn't need to be that way. I think I think the definition of sales that 
that we really need to internalize as an industry is simply just gathering information, prescribing a solution, and being okay with the results come what may, right? Not everybody is meant to do personal training, and that's totally fine. Yeah. Right? By nature, it's a one-on-one -on -one service. We can't help everybody. Right. But that's why we have the group training service too, right? Okay, cool. Maybe this isn't right for you right now. Here's the next best option, right? And we can direct people. And, and at the end of the day, keeping in mind their best option, not ours, right? right. What's going to be best for the person I'm sitting across from? And, and I think that's still sales, to your point. It doesn't need to be tricky, whatever we do to get the highest ticket option, but still sales at the end of the day. And so you have, you're fielding most of these conversations. Right. A lot of this happens over the phone to your point. Um, or, so it, it, yeah, there's, I mean, it just depends. Some people do want to come in and meet with a trainer and tour the facility and make sure it's a good fit for them, which we do always do. Always. Um, as far as classes, some people just go and they just sign, sign right up on our website. Okay. But, what Ben was getting at is we don't do a whole, like there's no spiel that we have. There's no, you know, with all of our other trainers, we don't have a manuscript of here's your bullet points that you have to hit. It's just, I said, okay. Here's right, right, the product. Right. This is what we offer. This is our pricing. You know, are you interested okay. or not? And, you know, I think people inherently just know when they're being sold on something and that's just a bad foot to step off on. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think the average consumer is pretty savvy yeah. at this point and yeah. any of any sort of like get rich quick scream oh, yeah. works yeah. for a short amount of time, right? You guys wouldn't be around 10 years later if that wasn't the case. And so no, the next step, obviously, once they sign up as a member, we want to keep them as a member, you guys mentioned retention being a point of strength for you is, is a average churn or attrition as a percentage. Is that something that you guys track as a business? Unfortunately, we actually, we don't do that. Um, okay. So, so gut feeling, it's pretty good, right? Yeah, we have, yeah. So, I mean, we have like for the personal training, um, a lot of the, our clients are snowbirds. So they come down to the warmer temperatures for six months out of the year, but most of them, you know, all come back. And then as far as our um, max package for personal training is you can purchase 16 sessions at a time. Mm -hmm. So I would say probably what, 80% we keep of them, yeah, resign. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so we're, we're retaining people. And so let's, let me like take a step back in terms of, growing capstone for you guys if we're to look at this from sort of a marketing and sales funnel analogy generating leads is up at the top how many people we convert in the middle and then how many people we retain down in the bottom where do you think you guys have the biggest opportunity to improve so for us it's probably yeah marketing and then also um just our, our market, you know, we, we're here in Florida now because our dream has always been to open a second location and we just wanted to reach more people and, you know, show people what we feel and is proven an accurate way of training and getting, and getting results. So for us, that's kind of our biggest reason for 
opening a second one and you know, yeah, I think I think the reality, I mean, so many people get into the industry with the intention. We want to help as many people as we can. We want to help them as best we can. Yeah. And part of that is marketing, right? Yeah. As as unfortunate as it is, it's sort of a necessary evil. A lot of the time we talk to businesses 20, 30 years in business and they still have people walking through your doors. Oh, I never even knew you guys were here. Yeah. Right? So marketing becomes no no one's favorite activity but somewhat of a necessity in order to get the word about your business out there and so for you guys looking to to capitalize on that a bit better i want to pick your brain obviously our whole conversation has been geared around growth operating and growing a business for you guys here you are opening a second location but what's the big picture for you where do you guys want to see this business a year two years five years ten years down the line Several locations. Yeah, ideally we would love to have several locations and just share our knowledge with other trainers so that they can grow and, you know, do the same thing. So we, I would love to see, you know, yeah. many more past and fitnesses. This is kind of our, I don't know, guinea pig. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, yeah. Go ahead. No, it's, you know, one of the things you said too is, you know, we were able to, for obvious reasons, the gym being closed down several times in California, we made a decision at this time to make sure that we could keep all of our staff on and, right. you know, well, you know, keep a decent income. And this was a chance to, for us to step away and let them have all that. And this is not, this was an opportunity we were kind of forced into, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. So now that we, this last year, the gym has survived, which we honestly didn't know because of the state of California, it is what it is. Um, you know, you never know if another lockdown's coming. The gym survived and actually did quite well. So the fact that we're not even there, which is the hardest thing to do, yeah. right? Leave the gym that we started, the owners, it, it survived. And it's, like I said, it's doing well. Now that we know that, we know this will probably work. I mean, for some crazy reason, it wouldn't. I can't imagine. We actually have a much better opportunity to grow here in Florida than we ever did in California. Um, I can see us duplicating the same concept fairly right. compared to what we just did. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, and the experience that I've seen is that going from one to two is typically the hardest. Two, three, four. Once that concept is proven, we can recreate it. But typically it's removing the gym owner from that scenario. That's the biggest hurdle. That was I appreciate you describing this as this is our guinea pig of sort. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it is. Yeah, it, it is. was. We honestly left 2,300 miles. California. <laughs> I mean, we didn't just go, you know, 30 minutes away. We moved literally across the country. And our trainer, our manager there is doing phenomenal. I've been, because of COVID and virtual, I've been able to still log on and, you know. Just yeah, that's what this room is for. So she still yeah. teaches a couple of classes to the girls. Yeah, just keep yeah, yeah, yeah. interaction. But we're slowly going to have to pull that away. Um, yeah. You know, because we're going to be too busy with this one. And yeah, there, so there's about four or five people running that gym in California. Like you said, if you can do this, you know, I don't think after this is set up, it'll be too hard to do another one. Right. You know? We were there for 10 years. We, they all knew us. And so, like I said, if, you know, we can do that, these people. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, there's, there's any number of ways that we could take this conversation from here, but I want to sort of start to wrap this up because a lot of, people that listen to this have thought about or have already sort of taken the step of going towards multiple locations 
Are there specific benchmarks that you're looking to hit with number two before deciding, okay, on to number three, or will you just know when the time is right? I feel like it'll be a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, we okay. really need to have, get this one established um, and hire people. And as soon as it's able to walk on its own, then I think we're, we'll be ready for number three. Yeah, because the, the first gym, we started with 1,200 square feet, it was just me. And then we took the building next to us. And then it was Christina who came on, and then maybe a couple of trainers here and there. But with this gym, we're not gonna, how do I say? I don't want it to be, as funny as we call it personal training, I don't want people to just depend on, this is gonna be Ben and Christina, are always gonna be our trainers. You know, yeah, that's the only way you can keep doing it. The brand needs to be bigger yeah. than the two of you. Exactly. Right. And that, that, yeah. That's, we, that's we want the it to be part. recognized as custom, not ben and Christina Christina and Ben Shim. And we were able to do that in California, thankfully. So like yeah. I said, hopefully, hopefully we can get more, this less yeah, than 10 years to do so, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, now, yeah. Now that we, you know, it was just taking the plunge. It was just right. It was just actually going for it. And, you know, we probably could have done it sooner than later. Yeah. But, you know, like any business owner, it's, not, it's not easy. And sometimes you just get stuck in your comfort zone. Yep. Spot on. Guys, that's a, that's the perfect place to to start to wrap this whole thing up. And I really wanted to thank you for your time and your openness when it comes to talking about your business and moving from one to two to multiple moving forwards. I really appreciate your time. I wish you nothing but the best moving forwards, guys. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you. Absolutely. And to everyone who tuned in today, thank you, of course. If you're looking to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lord's out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.